Hey everyone, welcome back to the Forging Fathers podcast. I am really excited about today's episode. You're joining me in a conversation with two dear friends, Bob Cummins and Paul Lambie, who both recently attended the Mantra Men's Retreat. And in today's episode, we go into all the things they experienced on the retreat, how they feel it helped them and how they maybe feel it could help other men on their journeys. Today's episode is full of raw, radical honesty, deep personal truths and candid discussion. So please join me in welcoming Paul Lambie and Bob Cummins. Hey guys, how's it going? Oh wow, I'm so looking forward to this chat. It's so nice to see you both. I can't wait to hear all of your reflections and thoughts and experiences from the Mantra Men's Retreat. So I guess I just want to jump straight in and ask, was there a standout moment for you both during the retreat? There was a point on the retreat where I felt entirely at peace and as though I completely understood where I'd been, where I was in that moment and where I needed to go next. And I think that could be a moment of uh, I can't remember the phrase, but the highest highest expression of your king archetype, yeah. and I felt completely, completely me, mm. free, wow. free of free of all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had glimpses of that on the retreat as well. It's such a such a powerful feeling, and to have worked for it as well. That's the other thing I think that I ca- I cannot hold a timeline for that for that weekend in my head <laughs> at all, yeah. um, but it was graft mm-hmm. like there's I struggle a little bit with the term men's work mm-hmm. um, but it was work yeah. <laughs> there was real effort and I also I can look back on the last 10 years of my life and see the work that I've put in there's clearly like a no- noticeable amount of effort has gone into getting me to where I, to place where I am now where I'm comfortable with who I am and mostly comfortable with who I am it's not you know it's an ongoing process but I definitely felt like I, w- I was exhausted after the retreat nourished and re- like exhausted the way you're exhausted after a run or after a workout yeah like satisfied mm-hmm. but yeah get into that place over the weekend where I was like ah oh, yeah this is good I'm absolutely at peace with myself in this moment mm-hmm. and having to work for it was awesome so yeah, men's work made a bit more sense to me after that. Yeah, so there, there, there's a question around um, like the work that you maybe need to do before you come to something like this. Like, is there a prerequisite before you step into a retreat like this? Or could this be the catalyst to starting that work? Like, where where does this sit for men on this path of, of self-healing, in your opinion? Mm, I, I don't know. It's, I guess various men had been at different points when they came into it as well. So mm. maybe that's something to that could be measured initially like where, where do you what mm-hmm. have you have you tried meditation have you mm-hmm. like when and also when um reese or you said or somebody said uh, you know who's done breath work before and i'm thinking well I've done, I've done a little bit of breathing before i've got in an ice bath before thinking yeah i've done some of that not fucking that so <laughs> so there's different different types of breath work obviously different types of meditation but mm-hmm. yeah maybe there's like a wee barometer of measurement and maybe that could be in the questionnaire i guess as well yeah of stuff and then you could um, start gathering data on that because it is like yeah how far in the journey and on you did everybody get the same feeling as that or was it because you'd done work before well um, I, I mean I went in with extremely low expectations I um, of of what I was yeah. going to get from the weekend like I, I I think prior to 
I'd been on your first uh, wild connections. Wild connections retreat two months earlier, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, and had a wonderful time. Really, like picked up some interesting insights into myself and into other people and into the way that I interact with other people. Um, and there'd been a lot going, a lot of personal stuff going on, but in in that, well, over over the whole of last year, but for the most part I kind of felt like I had a good idea of me and I'd done the work and I was into the next stage maybe and or like yeah I was pretty comfortable with who with with the amount of work that I'd done on me and I was going into the the retreat thinking it's going to be ice baths but there's also hot tubs I'm like I'm, I'm looking to do some meditating and some breath work and then and like the sound healing sounds nice I'm just going to kick back and enjoy a really relaxing weekend and that's what I need after all this family stuff that's been going on and I so I had no expectation but, but what I got from the weekend was that it, it tied a bow around the whole t- last 10 years of self-discovery that I've been working through mm-hmm. um, and it, it pulled together so many strands of thinking and yeah, so I, th- I think for me, I think that we've we've talked about this. Uh, like for me, it was a conclusion. It was a like that's that that's that part of the journey done. Mm-hmm. Reached the top of that mountain, and from there I can see the further off peaks. Kind of know where I'm going. But then there was guys coming in who'd like a week before hadn't ever heard of anything about men's work, hadn't heard it, hadn't given it any thought, and had come along almost by 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 mistake. But all right, what's the word? Accidentally, mm-hmm. happenstance. happenstance. Thank you. <laughs> who just like happened across this retreat, rocked up, and who were the very beginning of their journey. And watching those guys, mm-hmm. and 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 then in like ongoing relationship with those guys, they're like, "Oh man, have you tried this? Oh, I've just read this. Have you read this guy? Can you tell me how? Where do I, like I've just read that book you recommended. Where's where like where should I go Amazing. next? And it the excitement, and I remember that as well from being like with Bob being. Our sort of journeys of finding ourselves kind mm. of have we've walked along together on that I think, and that kind of passing books backwards and forwards are like have you have you read this have you listened to this so seeing people just starting that is awesome, so that's beautiful as well because the idea that you know we spoke a lot about men's council so council and council so like actually sitting with men you know calling men in from different points in their healing journey is actually really beneficial so wherever you're at so what i'm hearing is like wherever you're at in your journey something like this could mm. be beneficial whether you're just beginning and it's completely mind-blowing and opening your eyes to loads of potentials and possibilities or you're somebody who's done a lot of work and you're able to hand down some of that wisdom or pass over the books you know share your wealth with with other men um yeah and as, a, as a collective experience it's funny as well because like sometimes we, you might find yourself or one might find themselves you know going through this path and you don't actually know where you are on the path you might actually be just like oh how, how do i feel right now i'm not quite sure but then you get the mirror of somebody who's like just starting you're like oh that's where i am yeah. because you can actually see where you've been <clears throat> through somebody else's experience i don't think that i'm necessarily like i'm going to go on the next retreat uh-huh. um and i Talk, like you not knowing where you are on the journey, I expect I'll go into that thinking uh-huh. this is going to be nice. Yeah, <laughs> this will be, be like same as last time. And I wonder whether there will be some 
profound further mm-hmm. insight or whether whether then my role will be more like to, to, to step back and to witness other people's, the beginning of other people's journeys or their, their own breakthroughs. But yeah, you can't know, can you? And, and until you're in that environment. Which is funny because they say comparison is a thief of joy, but maybe maybe not in this context because like, I will say comparison is a thief of purpose when it comes to like comparing yourself against somebody else about what you're going to do probably more materially in your life. But comparison being the thief of joy when you actually need that comparison to remind you where you are when you step into this mm-hmm. kind of work mm-hmm. is actually super beneficial yeah, sure. yeah I was thinking when you, when you were saying that I was it, it, so the men's work and then but the work just the work and then done by men and then so the comparison thing on here is that I think some, some of the reason why it's powerful is that some of us men are the last people to consider some of this stuff yeah. So all this stuff is like really good for anybody, of course. Like so, this um, self um, exploration, like using stuff that you might think is um, a bit a bit for other people, um, that's going to take time. That stuff that you've never done, and and when you see that other people have done it, and then especially that other men have done it, like uh, or also you what you read books. It could even be as simple as that. Like you know, yeah. Um, oh, you've oh you've tried meditation. I thought that was just for you know people that had time or whatever or or, or non, non-men <laughs> like but then so the comparison of then it's no permission mm-hmm. so it then gives people permission to dive into it deeper that they then can see that other men have done it and I don't know whether that's that any of that's purposeful but it's definitely a nice byproduct that then you've got this um, examples being set by other men and, and shared mm-hmm. and different examples I think is ultimately the, the kind of fundamental theme of that is safety like as men we maybe don't feel safe to experience any of these things whether it's to you know jump into a um, ice bath or breath work or share vulnerably or open up around anything it's um it's the the permission is the permission of safety so it's offering a space where you see other men and it goes back to when we were kids like sometimes you feel anxious about doing something but when you see other people doing it it becomes more um inviting you know you going into your teens or your adolescent years as well like you know the the nerves and anxiety around how you're going to be perceived by the world kind of start then and when you see more people doing other things and that kind of directs you down a good path or a wrong path or um but ultimately coming into this space as men still harboring some of that teen like repressed isolation you know you call it a syndrome but like that that way where we can't actually a lot of us find it cripplingly um debilitating to like step into something just on our own whim we actually need other men sometimes to be there first or to explain to us or to exhibit it for us so that we can step in as well yeah and though I don't think I agree with it that it's like maybe unsafe or the lack of safety that is preventing but I don't think it's conscious in many cases mm-hmm. it's because it's so deep-seated that you're just like oh well I'd never even thought of trying that because I didn't even I didn't even know it was available to me as a as, mm. a, as a as a man as a <clears throat> as a father as a when I when and see the people that that we work with and you know they're in big corporations a lot of them and they're putting so many hours in and um they're so 
tired and stressed and a lot of them have got families they're all, always doing up their house and stuff like that and you, you say to them you, you know what are you reading and, and actually the question is are you reading you know and a lot of them aren't even reading books or having time to do any self-exploration or even read any fiction books never mind like exploration books and stuff like that mm-hmm. and and you know what's the work in the construction industry and but this is like the managers and the directors in the construction industry as well they just it's not even on the radar in many of them to actually do any of the any work to for themselves to look after themselves um which is which is really sad so that and so that i don't think they're consciously thinking of it as unsafe it's just like so far removed from what they think what they've been conditioned that their role is of mm. well, one provider worker i have to put in the hours um and yeah what, why would i even contemplate doing any meditation or 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 reading any um, yeah books that would nourish my soul. That's massive generalization. Some some definitely are right, mm-hmm. but there's still yeah a lot of people. And we saw some of them on the retreat as well, like people who took the chance to come along to that, but there was so much resistance for them. I suppose that there's a question: Did you guys feel resistance before you booked on or came along? Yeah, well, I mean, my my, my I was definitely a different starting point than Paul in in the. Um, I was more nervous, right? I, so I was not that I wasn't thinking I was coming for a kind of nice relaxing weekend. I was thinking, oh, fuck, what what am I going to, um, how many times am I going to cry? Because <laughs> I kind of knew some of that would that would come out, right? And, you know, there's, you, I've done a fair bit of work, mostly since I met Danny. Um, and before that, I hadn't even entertained. So meeting her introduced me to a lot of stuff that I've done a lot of work, meeting Paul introduced me to a lot of stuff that um that, that allowed me to reflect and then and then, so i think that's why i was kind of nervous it's like oh my oh my god this is going to maybe be deeper reflection what what is what am i going to um discover am i going to lose it and actually it wasn't so much lose it in front of people that wasn't i wasn't that nervous about that it was more that like what's it going to unveil for me mm-hmm. um so i was definitely nervous definitely out of my comfort zone and and yeah the line that, that Paul said to me was, he said, we can either look back on this and say, remember that retreat we went to and, and reminisce on the experience or, or we can't. And I'm like, okay, that's it. That was the final sell, mm-hmm. right? I'm in. Yeah. So, um, go for the experience of, of no matter what it holds, um, rather than the expectation of getting something out of it, I think is where, where I was, but definitely nervous, um, bef- before I got in there and, and certainly nervous on the, the Friday. Um, evening as well and the, the check-in stuff yeah I, I you, you not I don't know I was I was trying to think what the uh, so a long time ago I think 10 years ago maybe I started leaning more into things that frightened me and like and it definitely came from reading it like I was reading Malcolm Gladwell and you know like blink and the Anyway, you know, I'd started reading, I suppose, self-help books, but that was would eventually, yeah, yeah, probably more than 10 years ago. <clears throat> but the things that kept coming up in that were that the idea of leaning into what frightens you, I think. And and so I'd done, I'd, I'd gone to the Buddhist centre in Edinburgh and I'd done a meditation course and I'd, um, I, I went down to the Sammy Ling monastery for a weekend on my own and I took an acting class like every Tuesday for six weeks 
and I started going to lots of or like taster sessions for lots of martial arts classes. When I was a kid, my sister, like we'd go away on holiday, my sister would go and play with other kids and then I would stay away on my own until she'd made friends with them and then she'd come and get me. And I and like I couldn't record my own voicemail. I couldn't, um, I'm like extremely shy and, and um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think of myself as a self-starter. Don't go out and get things mm -hmm. done. So I'd started, I'd kind of gently started poking into that. And so maybe it did take me like 15 years to get to the point where I'm like, ah, cool, a retreat. Yeah, I'm going on that. Or, or, or like uh, powerlifting. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that for six months or whatever, you know, like these things that I now do, re, you know, poetry, like, like, yeah, I'll try that. Maybe that's for me. And um, it's taken me a long time to get to this. I'm not sure, I can't remember, I can't think what my point was. <laughs> so yeah, getting to this point where meeting you over lunch mm -hmm. back in July last year and then I'm mean like, oh yeah, I like this guy. What are you doing? Cool, uh, I want to do that. And, and I do, I, But now when something frightens me, I'm immediately like, yeah, that's that's clearly for me. That I clearly need to, to lean into that because I'm scared of it. Uh -huh. Or, um, oh, this guy's on a similar journey to me. Well, I'll just jump in with both feet and see where it goes. But I, I'm a lot more courageous. Yeah, that's now cool, man. Than I, than ever before. That's definitely helped me as well. You're you're leaning into that stuff as me. It's helped me to do the some of these things too. It's much more fun doing it with a mate as well. I I, I a lot of my journey from like massively insecure, anxious, depressed. Um, overweight, substance misuse, alcoholism, maybe. A lot of the work that I've done, I've had therapy, I've had really supportive partner and supportive friends, but a lot of the, the deep work that I've done, I've done it on my own. And the idea that there is now, and I, I don't think that what you're doing with Mantra existed at all in Scotland whilst I was on that uh -huh. that journey. Maybe it did. Maybe there was aspects of it that were there and I just wasn't aware of it. But the idea now that people who are right at the beginning, where I was 15 years ago, there's now a place to go to, mm -hmm. to find that help. I find that so encouraging because... I wouldn't change my journey. It's gotten mm -hmm. me to where I am now, and I really like where I am now. And I've done some weird stuff along the way, but I'd, you know, if it'd been shorter, I'd have been happier sooner. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, definitely resonate. That that's the main reason that what I do exists for me, like why I do what I do, because I was severely depressed, suicidal, um, a new father, completely broken, and not prepared and in need of support and I was looking for anything and everything um, that I could find at that time that resonated with me that you know called me forwards you know there there were some kind of sharing spaces how long ago is this sorry this is six nearly six years ago now so there were some kind of sharing spaces where you could go and speak but for me there was like another level to that where I needed something that was experiential that was embodied that was more of an accountability piece that was more how, how did you know you needed it because that's something i i didn't know i needed this but then once mm -hmm. i found it it was like oh fuck yeah i i need this mm -hmm. you know 
did, but you had like a, you were saying like you had a bit of a well, insight into needing came, something a bit more. From, it kind of came from my sporting background. So I was, you know, just used to being told what to do for such a long time. And I was in quite an oppressive system where, you know, the, the, the sport we were doing was quite brutal and it was quite it was severely competitive and there was no vulnerability in in that space a lot of people you know really holding on to stuff because if you show vulnerability in a, a combat sport you know it's, it's potentially going to lower you in some sort of hierarchy in your mind or you know perceive some sort of weakness that you don't want others to see um but essentially yeah being in that setup there was there was a lot of direction given but there was no you know nurturing there was no allowing of me to be my full authentic self and I needed to, for me I needed to explore more um, and I was being you know the oppressor myself as well like I was you know conforming to things when I didn't need to I was you know living a life in the shadow of my older brother who was more successful in that sport than me but like you know I I chose those things um, and it was only in later life that I realized oh I need to step away and be more me um, and when that started to happen and then I became a father like I realized there was so much more work to be done but I needed to do it with other people I couldn't do it on my own I had tried counseling and therapy um, but for me in my experience was that I was isolated to a room and still taboo and I couldn't share what happened in that room um, well, I, even to say you were going yeah to even to say I was going it was it was really difficult and I didn't feel like I really broke through you know the things that were holding me back in those sessions they were good to talk but it turned into a pity party and in my experience with working with men now and my own experience is we can get attached to pity um, and that is like the mother seeking we're looking for people to look after us like look at me I need some help oh my goodness um, and that's okay to need help but as long as you're not putting all the responsibility on somebody else to fix you and that's what I was doing so I was like looking for somebody else because I'd been told what to do I'd been given the answers or I'd been directed I never really fully thought for myself um, and I think you know finding a, a modality that called me forwards with accountability and support at the same time in a really mature way allowing me to fully express myself and as we say like the in in the retreats like honor is the antidote to shame when you honor someone for their share but you're not like saying it's okay like it wasn't your fault and that's not to belittle it but you're like right okay that happened and we're sorry one can you take any responsibility over that happening two what are you going to do now and now we're here for you that's the step that that i needed to be kind of guided through and when i found men's work you know after years of supporting men who had seen me go on my healing journey from fully checking out to fully checking in you know feeling fulfilled in that space like supporting men and then seeing other men coming into the space and you know getting the same support in a, in a larger group I, th I think it was you know it is hugely cathartic and you do get that you said earlier permission you do get that permission to be fully authentic share and take ownership over where you are that's why i needed and that's what i'm doing now yeah it's so hard to see how far you've come you'd mentioned this earlier but to to see people switching on to that in that supportive environment like all oh, right cool i've got permission now i can i can cry i can mm -hmm. i can shout i can not shout i you know um seeing people seeing that dawn on people in on the retreat was amazing mm. 
like the the way that people kind of just like got lighter opened up people looked different mm. at the end of that retreat and i'm convinced it's not just because they were familiar yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced people were holding themselves differently by the end of the weekend and i wonder if it's because when you're saying that what was coming through my mind was is there something around the way we shared the way we saw each other because you can do this like pity seeking the mother seeking share where you're you know looking for somebody else to nurture you and support you and fix what's going on and that was something we specifically said in the retreat and all my men's work is we're not here to fix people we're just here to witness and allow a man to go through the process of getting everything out because so often we're not allowed to share until completion as men like just to talk and tell everything and sometimes we need to share a little bit and we feel a bit safer share a little bit more we feel a bit safer and then we can get to the truth of things so i think what changed people that weekend was they were allowed to tell their complete truth like all the lies they've told all the things they've done that they felt ashamed of that they put shame on themselves and then when that shame is met with honor it transmutes it so we're like oh you guys don't judge me for that wow because i thought that was terrible and we're like yeah man we've all done it we've all done mm. stuff like that but we hide so much away and when you have a truth that you're not telling that you keep inside you it becomes toxic mm. and all you know i'd say potentially all the men who came along to that retreat had something had some truth that they weren't telling that they were holding on to but when they let it go like that's what just took the burden away and it's almost cliche you can say it but when you experience it when you see people get rid of the yeah. dirt they're like oh god i've been waiting for years to say that to somebody some people said some stuff in that retreat that they've never told anyone ever and they're like in their 40s 50s 60s that's wild yeah it is so that, that creating that space though where where we we felt as though we could do that that but then and you know so you, said giving a bit and then maybe giving a little bit that must have happened we, we, we must have tested it a little bit to see if it was safe sub subconsciously mm. or consciously mm. um but i think i think what really helped get there fast was the that first session of breath work right nice. you know because that there was that you know when i don't know how many folk were crying but it was like to me it felt sounded like everybody in that tent towards yeah. the end of that first one and that there's nothing more the, the, you could share together than that kind of primal scream that we did the primal release mm. and then that that crying sort of thing and then you know turning around and seeing some of the some of the some of the blokes that you'd already you know you'd already sized up as like he's 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 like well when he's like six foot whatever eight and and his background well he's oh fuck he's crying okay like you know and like, it's okay there's yeah. some permission yeah. <laughs> there's some permission if he's so. crying I can cry I think it started earlier than that though like because we started the day early with the, oh, the, the with the ice bath yeah. mm -hmm. and like what, 24 guys 20 25 mm -hmm. like maybe you know i was i was even shitting myself about getting an ice bath oh, i mean how ridiculous is that i was <laughs> not happy about that at all and, and why so like why i the, hate the physical thing physically. or how you would be seen by others no no, no definitely i mean I've, I've gone past that stage with how we're seen by yeah. others I'm not sure I would have got in naked like Rory did. That was that uh, right. Uh, right. That was that was brave, um, especially how cold it was. I'm not sure I'd done that, but gone that far. But definitely it was okay with 
I wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the, it was more self. It was like mm-hmm. last time in, in the sea where it was, I could just remember how cold and painful like my feet were and stuff yeah. like that. And so it was more mm. like, oh, fuck, I'm so, going to be sore. So then, yeah, maybe that's interesting. Maybe like that, the morning was about physical pain. The same for me. I'd like, I don't, like, I'm, I'm getting in the water. I know it's coming, but I fucking hate being cold. I hate it. And, and I, that, clubbed feet like wooden feet that you can't really feel like mm. apart from the excruciating agony of it <laughs> like I, so maybe the the morning starts with a with overcoming a physical fear mm-hmm. and then as it goes into that yeah small like yeah, although it was yeah. big it was yeah, like yeah. it's only two minutes so it's, it's done in two minutes and then yeah. and you then had the power of the group making you do it psychologically sort of thing and in fact when you said when you said we were gonna um, do a horse dance to warm up, and you're like, "Don't put a don't don't go straight for your towel," we're gonna you're gonna do a is it a horse dance? Is it horse stance? Horse stance. Oh, yeah. I thought it was horse dance. As well. I thought it was just well. There you go. Just the word dance. Um, but I um, I like oh fucking brilliant. So I'm gonna freeze and then I'm gonna dance in my pants <laughs> in a field and like this is I don't want any of this yeah but I, but I did and I overcame all of those things and it was good and everyone else did and I saw everyone else do it and so I think it started before yeah, the, that right. first yeah. breath work it was that celebration and, and everybody yeah. done and it. we'd all done it and it was we were together and it's that collective sync so it's like a unifying mm. act that we did together and yeah, again, you know, for me, like I, I didn't know where I was going to go. Everybody's new, relatively new, coming into this. This is new work in this country, and you know, me telling a bunch of twenty-four. Some of them are, you know, six foot somethings, like big brutes. I'm like, get in that bath, and you know, then you're going to go and dance on the grass over there. You know, I didn't know how people were going to take it, but the the full participation, and I think that's that's something that we can celebrate as men, is that we we fully participated like everybody who was there like went for it mm. we all did it and it, it unified us and then that allowed us to go into you know Reese from Oxygen Lab led us through one of the most powerful breathwork journeys I've ever seen yeah I mean please talk about you guys experience <laughs> with that <laughs> I, um, I, I kind of re- re- I don't know it's, it's such a complex thing for me. So on the first retreat that we went on, we did a guided meditation and I discovered that the mind's eye isn't a metaphor that people genuinely do have a mind's eye, mm-hmm. but I do not. And I'm completely blind in my imagination. I have aphantasia. And so when it came up that the second time on the second retreat that we were going to do that, um, Again, I, oh, fuck this thing again. As everyone gets to have a little cock about in their in their own imagination, having some fun, and I'm just sitting in the dark. Like another thing where I'm feeling excluded and like uh-huh. dealing with all that. And and then we did the so this meditation. I don't know. Was it like two hours, something like that? Roughly, yeah. So and we go in through uh, sound healing and music and lying on the ground with blankets and we're all and I don't what I don't remember is dropping into this utterly vivid visual hallucination mm-hmm. but 
you know, I, rationally, I know that I was starving my brain of oxygen and then flooding my brain with oxygen. And like, you know, I, I understand that, that there's a biological reason that my brain was tricked. Um, and aphantasia is an inability to voluntarily bring visual imagery so that the mechanism's there, but I can't access it. Um, psychedelic hallucinogens and it turns out breath work and dreaming all switch it on. But I had a vivid trip. I went for a walk with myself and my dad and my grandfather and his father and my, so my great-great-grandfather. Um, we looked at, uh, we, we collected my son and took him and all of us together lifted my 35-year-old self up off the bathroom floor where I was weeping and hugged me and mm. it it fucking blew my mind. <laughs> like, I can't... I, I've, I've subsequently had conversations with my dad about this and described the whole thing with him. Um, he and I are going to uh, Riga next month to where we think his great... his grandfather came from. We're... It, and, and it is genuinely uncomfortable for me to say that we're making peace with our with our ancestors, but that's what's happening. And we're uh, it it was hmm. <laughs> fucking full on tripping. Uh, do do you think that so obviously like the power of the the breathwork that Reese delivered led you to that point? But you know, let's say Reese gave you that session in your house one day. Do you think there was a potency to the energy in the room around, like, is there any coincidence that like you were honing in on like your father, your grandfather, your great grandfather, your son, and there was a connection of, of men? Do you think that had anything to do with that? Oh, no doubt. It, like it, it's, it was shaped by the energy in the room. It was shaped by the shape of the room. Like we're in a, we're in a big yurt. It's, mm -hmm. you know, and it comes to this point and there's this, the spokes that come mm -hmm. down that focus, like there is no doubt in my mind that that shape focuses your attention. And then you close your eyes, you're surrounded by other men, you know, you, we're, I think we're being led on a journey where we're encountering our younger self. Mm -hmm. um, and so that regression through our own personal narrative, I, I think would have to eventually, if you're thinking mm. about it enough, lead to mm -hmm. those other topics. So like, I don't know, I don't think it's magical. I think that those stories are in us and we were led down a path towards those stories. But engaging with those things, um, it, like I said, it tied together for me um, 10 or 15 years worth of work mm -hmm. and showed me what I need to do next, which, is, which was then to engage with my dad and to talk to him and to try and help him find some healing. Because mm. he hurts as well. And like the, the father that he was is informed by the, the way that his... The, the childhood that he had and so on all the way back yeah it, it was it was it was visceral wasn't it you, you could oh. really feel like the vision was i mean obviously for you even more so but like even for me as well i've I, i've never had that visualization as strong as through the breath work oh really yeah so the you know being asked to go and and see your younger self or be with your younger self i've i've, I've had that in either guided meditations or or just or just inquiry kind of sessions and you kind of think about it and like you know that kind of what would you say to your younger self and um that kind of stuff but the breath work put put it into a different dimension of of, of oh actually there i am mm -hmm. like and 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 then the feeling of love towards this younger self 
as well um and caring and and and, and that it was yeah it was so strong mm. so so kind of real um that then when you when i came you know kind of back out of it then the feeling of being looked after was was really strong as well of of that self love of um being being raw but um but loved raw in a you know good way so like exposed but like yeah. like loved like definitely it was like it was like almost a paradox of feel so exposed but but okay with being exposed and okay with being completely vulnerable because I'm almost indestructible mm-hmm. like that feeling of coming out of it and and that could have been some of the setting setting around the the um the king and the warrior stuff as well mm-hmm. potentially but or the magician um that we did first but yeah the visualization was was so strong and and like you like I had that I think it was on the second day where we were kind of guided to go towards um that version of ourselves that needed help and um then then there was me in 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 the car um crying my eyes out after my my brother had died and and you know wanting to just not be there at all uh, but then that was that was my vision of me sitting next to myself in the car and and just and just comforting myself and and you know, I, th- I think I said this to you well, both I think we've had a discussion of what if that actually happened oh. like what if that's the way I actually got through it is because you know like in, in an interstellar kind of movie kind of way I went back and actually was there for myself and um, yeah because it, it felt it felt like I took care of myself mm-hmm. so it was it was awesome the, the, the experience and yeah completely like flooded with endorphins or whatever it was and then the primal release and the the bursting in involuntarily into tears but but tears of of okayness and mm-hmm. then at various points either you or Reese or whoever you know would hand on the shoulders and so you'd feel that warmth you could feel the warmth of you guys like it was mm-hmm. like wow there's some there's some warmth and there's some and it was like thanks man thanks you know like yeah the love in the room afterwards the the support that everyone gave each other was was particularly beautiful I th- like so many hugs and like there might never have happened before hugging someone and being cheek to cheek with them and feeling their tears on my cheek or my tears on their cheek not sure which way around that works <laughs> but like feeling like hugging like that skin to skin contact with tears with a man that I've you know, may have met twenty four hours earlier. When does that happen? I don't think it does. It, yeah. Yeah. So, so that that was. A sh- I think that was a shortcut. Not, and not there wasn't. Like in the fact you said about the work. You know, we def- you definitely had to work for it, but it was like mm-hmm. a like a way of getting to then. Well, another shared experience. So another like wow like step up a notch here's another shared experience for everybody mm-hmm. um that's also linked with with emotion with um a bit of exploration where some people definitely had, were uncomfortable exploring their younger selves as well so some uncomfortable um exploration but then we all did it we all got through it we all we all survived it and and experienced it so again those like steps were there to, to mm. just bring us all closer with that shared experience. So the, yeah, the kind of running of the weekend. So just for, for everyone listening, like we kind of take a, a journey through the four main masculine archetypes, the king, the warrior, the lover, the magician, 
Um, we start with a magician. So we focus on, you know, the synthesizer of life, the person who heals, the sees people, the the person who, you know, gathers and maybe shares a little bit of wisdom and is, is there to, to nurture um, others around him. So as we go into that, that archetype, we're starting to really connect and see each other. And we go through these big breathwork journeys and it's, it's powerful how, for, for, for me as a facilitator and, you know, after doing a few of these retreats now, like, you know, the beauty that I see, what you guys are describing is what I saw. So I saw, you know, stepping back outside the circle and just witnessing 25 men really loving each other in the, in the nicest way, like feeling love in the room and being able to like, hug another man or cry with another man or stand with another man and look him in the eyes for a long period of time and feel safe and comfortable and connected and that that switch from you know where we're maybe been put in a state of competition over the last you know 10 20 30 100 years as men you know coming into that state of collaboration where like you're with you're really present with another man and everybody's there to listen everybody's there to heal everyone's there to grow everyone's there to hear each other and hold space without interruption without fixing without you know being the typical masculine goal towards the goal and fix this we were just letting people talk and letting people share and that was that was the real kind of like beginnings of of the weekend and then we go through the warrior into the king and we finish on the lover and you know it was it was a beautiful kind of arc to see all the men go through this journey into a more a more authentic expression and they were only allowed to do that because they felt safe enough with everybody else in the room and they could all just hold space for each other and I think that's something palpable about men's only spaces and that's not to say that retreats with men and women aren't you know valuable they definitely are but when we're starting to really drudge up the stuff that we need, the shame, the guilt, the fear, we need a safe space of men to really hold that for us because it can manifest as so many different emotions that, you know, in, in our society, in, they're not really welcome in, in their kind of like extreme forms. I, I think um, there's so much you said there that I want I want to... Yeah. <laughs> um, the the joy and the awe in the room I think like we don't have access to those collective emotions typically it's uh, you know I can only speak for our cult for Scottish culture mm -hmm. British culture but we don't have that without alcohol or drugs mm -hmm. we like to be in a group of men sharing that level of joy that level of of sadness like those levels that those heightened emotions without alcohol or or drugs mm -hmm. that's never happened to me ever it's not you know never at weddings when it should happen or funerals when it should happen when you should be able to share those emotions with a group of people all thinking the same you know with your emotions aligned there's always alcohol there's often mm. drugs so to be on that weekend and to see that happen mm. with complete sobriety 
sobriety is the wrong word because I didn't feel sober for quite long, <laughs> um, but without external influences like yeah. like alcohol or drugs, um, was amazing. And I'd I'd love to know how many of the guys in that space had ever experienced a group that size of men like taking the emotion and the awe and the joy out of it have you like when was the last time you were in a non-work environment with this many guys mm -hmm. and there wasn't a beer involved because like when does that happen mm -hmm. um but on the the crying thing though that, that point about the wedding and the funeral the, the other thing there is that we we stifle like we mm -hmm. we we start i've done it both like started to bubble at weddings and obviously funerals Weddings as well, and you, and you you stop yourself. I promise I wouldn't cry. You know, I'm strong. I'm strong. Like, and it's actually the place you should be crying. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and so on the retreat though, I don't think it didn't look like people were limiting themselves with the with the. It was it was after that breathwork I think as well that helped set the scene that it was okay just to let it go, mm. like and folk were letting go. And, oh yeah. You know, and and that I think so. I think that was that was really quite. A, a good observation there, Paul, about that wedding and the, the funeral it's stuff. Li so it's liberating. Was... It's fully liberating, and that's what allows truth to come out when you don't stifle an emotion, because emotions are attached to memories and thoughts and feelings. When that raw emotion isn't stifled and it's allowed to come out, then with it comes things you actually want to say. Yeah, I think we're. I'm really, I'm not reluctant to talk about this. I desperately want to talk about this. I just don't know how to do it s safely. It might be the wrong word, but um, I'm thinking about um, gender roles and feminism and that clearly like uh, an antagonistic patriarchy has been awful mm -hmm. for women, awful for women gender pay gaps as a really superficial example of, of how bad that like a, a gender inequality is but the damage that it's done to men is harder to see mm -hmm. because it's like you're not allowed the things that as a man you're not allowed to be you're not allowed to cry you're not allowed to be emotional you're not allowed to to dance unless it's techno and <laughs> and you're taking ecstasy <laughs> and then it's fine or, or you're like, drunk. You like to wear really tight clothes and long hair if you're a rocker but yeah like there, there, there's there's conditions on all of it you're not just allowed to be and yeah. and you're not allowed any femininity you're not like like uh, I, I really don't like i think patriarchy is just it's it becomes a catch-all for mm -hmm. and and it it tries to simplify something that's really complex and so it's not a great word to use it's also divisive but it's been bad for us and opening up and, and being vulnerable and um and gentle with each other it, it it's just it's mm. been suppressed for so so long mm -hmm. and what i think you're providing is an opportunity for men to get in touch with uh broader masculinity um, yeah, not ref not limiting it to one expression. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting is permission. You've mentioned permission, Bob, a couple of times, and I. Um, something happened in the gym this morning that I'd quite like to try and explain, but I've not thought about it out loud. <laughs> 
not thought about it myself yet, so I'm not. I might ramble on, and again, obviously, you just cut it out, don't you? But so a woman. You know, whenever you say cut it, this is your best bit. Like, yeah. it's not <laughs> so when you go into the gym, there are lockers at the door. Uh, the keys in them, they're not deposit lockers. You take the key out and you put it in your pocket. And I like to attach them to a carabiner on my water bottle, and then I know where it is. I'm not losing it. But three of the keys have a hoop on them, a split ring on them, and the rest don't. And so I went through the key drawer at home and just like collected up all the split rings and then and I was standing there and I had like six of them. There's seventeen, eighteen lockers. And I had six of them and I was just standing at the at the lockers just putting them on the keys. And the woman came over and she's like, What it's like, oh, well, they don't have keys, rings on them, and I've got some at home, so I just brought them in, and I'm just putting them on. She's like, oh, right, Could, do, you not, do you work here? And I'm like, oh, no, I, but I use the gym, and I want the keys to have rings on them, and so I'm putting, I'm putting rings on them. She's like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it's not, because the keys don't work without rings on them, so it's not amazing. And anyway, <laughs> this was months ago, and whenever I find a, a split ring kicking about, is that what they're called? Split yeah, rings. Key rings. Those metal rings. Rings that break your nails. Yeah. yeah. Um, whenever I find one, I put it on the on my water bottle for the gym, so that it's there, and I, I'll put it on a whatever key doesn't have one currently. And today, this woman came up to me in the gym, and she and she's like, "Ah, oh, look!" And she handed me two split rings, and she's like, "I, I keep meaning to bring them in for you." And I was like, "Well, that's brilliant. Got, you should." Put them on the, put them on the, don't give them, why are you giving them to me? I don't want them, put them on the, on the keys and she's like, oh no, no, God, no, 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 you do it. Uh. <laughs> and like, we're, I, can't, I still can't quite make sense of it. We, we're, we're so, um, society pushes us into this, like, we defer all responsibility outwards. And so, like we, like we, we get to the point where we can't put split rings on it, not ring key rings on a key. Yeah, defer, it, we defer it to some sort of authority. Yeah, and you became the authority. And then I become the authority. <laughs> and I'm like, no, just put it on the thing. She's like, no, 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 you, you, you put you that's on your yeah. And but, I find that more and more, I'm noticing that people need permission to do things, and in that space we all gave each other permission mm -hmm. and i think that i think that there is something there's something in that there's a there's a bit in there where we when everyone is giving everyone else permission you unlock the entire room mm -hmm. and like and and that does have something that i can't describe in it like there's a there is a fucking magic mm -hmm. in that well like, it, like because although you were the authority to start with you were then definitely the coach and facilitator you moved into that very nicely mm -hmm. and so you know the way everything was set up with with the circle and the yurt and everybody facing into the middle and although often you would then be in the middle but you'd often then be part of the circle mm -hmm. so I think that maybe had something to do as well that mm -hmm. yes yes there was authority and there was a leader but then it was also that you were the, what, actually, what was really nice is that all those other people that were facilitators were participants as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so so Reese, that that very quickly I 
I, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't the only one, but I put him on a bit of a pedestal because he was a, he was the freaking magician at the start, and and then but then he's showing you all his vulnerable side as well, and um, the same with with many of the guys that were helping, they just got stuck right into it, mm-hmm. and and you included in that kind of helped that there was yeah. there was very quickly equals, which, yeah, which helped with the permission no, thing, so there was no authority. So. I didn't feel that there was a hierarchy at all. Like obviously, when you're calling everyone to silence. Or, or explaining what we're about to do, we're all paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. But I definitely always felt like I was in control of what, of me. Yeah, and that's it's a it's a trauma informed practice. So like essentially, you know, we're dealing with men who might struggle to bring things forward, and they might a lot of it might be triggering for people. So allowing them to have agency over how much they participate, it's an everything's an invitation. Like nothing is compulsory at these retreats everything is an invitation for you and we say at the retreat like you know we're going to do things that are uncomfortable and you're going to feel uncomfortable at some point or another it's different for everyone but wherever that edge is the invitation is to go past it because you're in the safest possible place that you can do it and there's wisdom on the other side that i can't give you no matter how hard i try only you can access that wisdom because it's your experience yeah yeah i remember you saying that about the edge and yeah. that, that struck a chord with me actually it's like yeah. oh yeah it's like yeah just go where's the edge oh, oh that might be an edge just push past it oh, well no. it's like what you said at the beginning um, of this episode where Paul said to you well we can look back and say oh, remember that retreat we went to same thing applies to each and every exercise you you did in that weekend like you could look back at that exercise and go wow that was really profound like look what I gained from that or not so it's, the choice is up to everybody but of the spaces in the world like you said when we unlock that potential of that room you know everybody went for it in that in that space so nobody held back but you know if you did feel inclined to do that do it with the knowledge that you know that's okay as well but also like it's okay we're all okay here let's just allow ourselves to be honest and that's for me is like the biggest thing is like the permission again to bring that word back in the permission to tell the truth like just tell the full truth and a lot of people don't practice that on a daily basis and a lot of people are sometimes triggered by being told the truth so so many people in our lives that we speak to when we give them or not that we're telling them like I know and you should know this but like if we witness something or we see something and we invite them to reflect on it or we even tell our own truths to somebody so many of these dynamics can be you know triggering and you know create projection from the other person to you where they try and defend themselves whereas actually if we were all just completely imagine a world where we were just completely honest the whole time everyone told the truth 100 percent. well hang on a minute (laughs) (laughs) complete candidness um no but, but what i remember thinking that um there's there's no way that you could you could get a group of twenty five folk together and they they and they and they all be nice you know <laughs> and yet there were they everybody yeah. was like genuine everybody was I didn't I got the impression that nobody was I mean people might have been holding back just because the opportunity never came up but I don't I never saw anybody that I thought was superficial or or not going into it or mm-hmm. not taking part not not a thing and I actively like didn't see that if you know what I mean it wasn't just that I, I don't think I saw it passively. But I think if if you had twenty five folk in in a different setting, mm-hmm. like it's so those those same twenty five folks who include me in that as well, 
in a different setting where we have some of our um, protective kind of masks up or whatever, um, we we would we we some of us would have been acting like dicks or some would have been perceived to be dicks because of the pretense, mm -hmm. you know. And and I think just statistically, you would have we would have found some dicks in the room. But there, but that's because they were put on a pretense, or or felt mm. awkward, or it was a, it was because of the rest of the context of everybody pretending. Mm -hmm. So we take away all that pretense and get everybody opening up, and and we loved every single one of the people that were in that room. Yeah, you know, there was genuine, genuine love and and connection, and that is like you c you can't find that just with stepping out the door to twenty five folk, and that's sad. You know, so imagine a world yeah. where that could happen as well. That actually we did feel genuine love and and um, yeah. for everybody that we met because we weren't putting up masks we weren't pretending to be something else and I, f I feel that you know some of the pretense is often humor it's like they, they, they go to like they, yeah, when you're saying that, i was like every pretty much everybody you know if they're, if they're starting to come across uncomfortable humor. yeah uncomfortable feelings like humor is the first one we go to and you know not as a a negative connotation or a derogatory statement but that's immature it, it's that's okay it's an okay immature of, of all the kind of immature traits i'd say like humor is all right like everybody enjoys a bit of humor but maybe not when you know we're really trying to access some some real truths here and i'm not saying that to caveat what i said before around everyone telling the truth it's not that we should go around telling each other stuff it's actually that we should be able to accept the truth is what i was meaning like if somebody tells us the truth instead of being defensive or putting on a mask, actually accepting it and being like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Or interesting, I don't think you're fully there, but what you said made me feel something, so I'm gonna go and think about that because that's really interesting. And if we had that kind of self-exploration through the practice of open honesty and being able to accept it with a humor or aggression yeah. is the next one. If or feeling judged, I guess, because some yeah. of that is, then comes back to defensiveness because we've, we're feeling judged, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So if, we're, if we feel stronger in ourselves and we're confident, then we can accept tr the truths about us that we've maybe not been pushing back and, and pushing away. Just, there's, there's a question for you two guys. Do you think truths came out that weekend that you've not told or you don't regularly tell or you've never told or that you were holding on to? I think um, for me, a truth of, I think, um, a truth of being closer to, to myself, being more, um, less judgy of myself. So, so because I experienced um, through the breath work and through other points in, in the weekend, a, a more more connectedness to myself, more love of myself, for mm -hmm. myself, acceptance for myself. I then realised how much I hadn't been accepting some of myself. So that was the, that was one of the biggest truths for me is that oh maybe I do and and so that then manifested into, all oh, right. So I'm a grumpy shit sometimes because I'm hurting inside me. You know I don't have to be that. What a dick I was in that situation or whatever. Thinking you know past. Um, situations of, with people I love, so it led me to see those kind of truths of maybe maybe my wife was right in some cases that it was about me and and that I should have actually opened up more and and done a bit more introspective um, uh, self work. Uh, so yeah, so the truth was humble humble truth, I think, um, around me, uh, and so admitting to myself that yeah, yeah, you you could be far more loving to to yourself to 
to the kids, to my wife. I think it was a, yeah, I'm not as okay as I think I am maybe all the time and I don't have to pretend to be as well. That kind of stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, li literally. Um, oh, I can't remember how you phrased it, but what I've thought is embracing our shadows and not turning away from the dark parts of ourselves. So that guy that was that version of me that was I can still viscerally remember it uh, that on the floor in the in the bathroom in the home that I live in now shaking panic attack tears I can I, I can see I know that the tears were on the on the on the it was a slate floor in the bathroom and I can I can remember that I'd noticed my tears were diffusing on the slate floor I was broken and I hated being a dad and I did not want to be a dad and I I was utterly broken and in that vision the breath of the vision sounds so ridiculous but in that experience that I had me and everyone behind me and everyone around me in the present picked that person up so that is a truth that I was not aware that I needed to find I've since that period of my life I've been so focused on growth on being a better person putting distance between me and that experience I have to be mentally strong physically strong I have to eat well I have to make sure that I never go back to that I can't be that guy again can't let my family down like that anymore I need to be strong I need to be strong and pushing it pushing it pushing it and what I found through that experience and through that vision was I need to bring that guy with me I need to embrace that guy and accept that that's who I was at that point and the that moment of all of us hugging him mm. was utter release um, one, of the, one of the guys said to me afterwards um that in the moments after the after the after that breathwork meditation experience he's like I didn't know if I was going to shit come or spew <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, it, and it was like I felt like I'd utterly voided the tension that I was holding up or holding on to holding on to that pain from well I suppose it was 10 years ago because mm. my son's just turned 10 and and I and so that the truth that I got I think is that it's not just about it's growth isn't just about putting distance between me now and me then mm -hmm. it's about embracing me then and um making peace with it yeah, yeah integrating it yeah yeah bringing it into me yeah exactly yeah. that so somebody um yeah, it was explaining this similar thing to me recently and they spoke about putting that past self the one that they're maybe ashamed of or some of the things they did in like another room and locking the door and i said to him i was like no 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 it needs to be open plan like you need to <laughs> yes like, get, don't just get rid <laughs> yes. of the door get rid of the wall like you need to integrate that that younger self in yeah absolutely and i've been yeah i've been th that guy's been locked away mm -hmm. and i'm not proud of the way that i behaved but i behaved exactly the way that I my behavior in that moment was perfectly designed because it was the outcome of all of my previous experiences 
it was what I was going to get no matter what because it was the culmination of my life until that point it's not something I need to be shamed, ashamed of or lock mm. away it's something that I need to embrace because who I am now is built on top of that so yeah, yeah I think that I think it's, it's it's having a relationship with with all of yourself yeah and that includes yeah. like the younger self yeah as well like that that happened to me that was actually it was another truth that came out was um i so not done that to, to my younger self necessarily i'm sure i have in some ways but i'd more done it to my my brother that is no longer with us for um so he, he died in 2012 and i obviously did, did a lot of grieving and, and and went to a lot of therapy and stuff and and grew a lot as well because of all of that but hadn't really considered what my relationship is with him now and it, it's it, it, the, the original question came from I think it was um one of the lessons on um, Sam Harris's app uh, meditation waking up app there's a lesson on there it talks about death and still having a relationship with people that have died because they're still part of you just because mm-hmm. they're dead okay you haven't got that relationship with them now but you have still got a relationship with them with them because they are they are part of you and I'd kind of pushed him aside and not moved on to the next relationship that I need to have with him and and that that came out in in some of the work as well it's like okay just well just not not I didn't figure it out fully but it the question started to arise of what is my relationship with my with my brother what is what does it need to move into for me now to be okay to still remember him, you know, because obviously remembering somebody that you love dearly is often painful. If you don't do it, you don't want to do it, but that's part of you. So what is it that then my relationship can I move into that allows me to still love him? And I think that's similar to what you're saying about your mm. younger um, self that was in that position at that time. What's that relationship with them that still allows you to love them as well? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So it's, it's, when you first said about what truths, uh, I was thinking, oh yeah, what truths did I did I say out loud? But all these have been these have been internal truths, mm-hmm. truths to ourselves that we've we both used examples there. It's been, that was quite interesting. Yeah, my my first thought was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were no truths. I was totally in control and uh, knew exactly. No, there was that was very obviously a big thing. Yeah. The control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, uh, really. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I don't think that's that's I and mean, generalization again. But I think that's where a, a lot of men seek comfort and isn't in the control because it's part of our story mm-hmm. around the the um, you know the, the provider and things like that and this, the the rock and that 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 leaks into control because mm. to to not do those things is 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 vulnerable and not in control. And allowing someone else, and and we're society says that we should be the kind of authority in the in the, in the family unit or whatever, and I think, yeah, I think that can manifest in this control possibly. Do you know? I think I've been thinking about this a lot recently about about why men particularly try to control outcomes or try and control things, and the word that came to my mind was consequence or like avoidance of consequence, and that is why. You know, we try to control the outcome as much as possible to avoid any adverse outcomes as much as possible. And it's come from the provider protector innate mm-hmm. inbuilt system that we have. But that also doesn't get compartmentalized and it bleeds over or the program runs over 
the things in our life that we need to take accountability for yeah. so we then don't do that because we don't like the consequence that could come for it so if we lied or fucked up or did something i don't want to tell the truth about that because the consequence is this i'm all about consequence reduction here so i'm just not going to do that i'm just going to bottle that up and leave it and then i'll just get on my life i'm doing well and then we get to 30 40 50 and we're like fuck should have just let all that stuff go <laughs> and accepted yeah. the consequence whatever it was because yeah, now, now I can't even admit that I left the toilet seat up yeah it's too, it's <laughs> too long it's been up for too long <laughs> the what am I how do you get guys to come I, I, I know this is broken record but how do you, I, I don't know how to get guys into that year. I don't know how to get so many of my friends need this. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs this to some extent. Every, no, no, everyone, everyone needs this. That doesn't need a caveat. Um, I regularly hear it's not my kind of thing, or mm. um, so I, I think it's, it's such a like a paradox though isn't it that's the problem it's like if the people that say I don't need that kind of thing are the people that need that kind of thing the people that genuinely don't need that thing are people that have been on it or discovered it somewhere else somewhere else yeah so that you know the, the kind of paradox bit is that it it's it's exactly for the people that don't that wouldn't come <laughs> if you know what yeah. I mean mm-hmm. um, and so it does take a lot of effort um, to you know it took I, I don't think I would have if you two hadn't met and and I'd seen this just randomly. I'd have been interested because because I'd followed the Secret Sons guys and stuff like that. But if push came to shove, I'd have probably backed out. You know, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have, wouldn't have gone into it. And and I've not since in the last ten years anyway done a fair bit of this kind of shit and all that shit. But that you know our our kind of explorations mm-hmm. we've been on has put me in a far better accepting place. But yeah, I still don't know if I'd have seen it randomly. So definitely the connection helped me. Yeah. Okay. Of of somebody else going and somebody else that I admired being up for it, um, and that's I guess that's how we got Colin there, um, to sort of thing. So maybe, maybe that has to be the way of. It just has to be personal connection. Maybe it does. I mean, I'm sure some there be. Well, there was the random story about meeting Reese in a car park. I think. Yeah. <laughs> From Paul, but um, but it's still a personal connection, you know. Uh-huh. I don't know. Was there anybody just came because they saw an advert? Or? Yeah, I mean, again, like those are the people, like you said, the people who desperately need this or definitely need this are the ones that will find it. So there's those people, like the people who are looking for something like, like I was six years ago. Hmm. If this had existed six years ago, I'd have been on it 100%. Yeah. So there's that kind of person who's looking for it. The other people are the people who or for whatever reason are putting a boundary up between them and the experience that they maybe don't know they need or they are outright rejecting as you know I don't need that so for them it's, it's difficult because I, for me it's not about sales like it's not I'm not trying to sales pitch someone and say come to this because it will blow your mind like I want the people who need to be there to be there and if you don't need to be there that is fantastic at this moment in time but it, like you said uh, at one everyone. point or another everyone needs something like this so all we can do is share our experiences like this and that's why we you know take photos at it and we you know only share with your permission 
but we try to share what mature masculinity looks like so that others can see because so many are suffering in silence as we've talked about today so like so many are suffering with that but are unwilling for whatever reason to jump on or jump in and, and get stuck in so only through showing the experience or telling your experience to somebody not what everybody else experienced specifically you can share the overall vibe like we have but you can't share another man's story that we don't have permission to do that but if you can share what it did for you without saying to that person and i think it'll help you because you're going through this and that but like I, I just, that's other the hard people, part yeah other people have asked have asked me this so it's a long game you know people who are on the fence or who are behind the fence you know you can only say to them oh this did this for me and there was a couple of other guys that were going through something similar and you know 24 of us in the room we just you know we're still connecting through a whatsapp group and everybody's supporting each other and you know everyone feels really alive now and you know even if you know what that person that's behind the fence is dealing with you could even drop that in as like a little carrot and be like oh you know i i felt something like this and you know a couple other people shared the same thing and we just worked through it completely and then just leave it with them mm -hmm. Because I've I've spoken to a few people since the retreat who asked the same question: How do I how do I tell people about this and get them to come? Because I know so many men who would benefit from this. I might, if you know them well enough that you know what they're dealing with, then almost like maybe Trojan horse it a little bit of like you know, I experienced this and I was able to move through it. And every single one of the people has asked me that. The person they said it to has come back like a week later and said see that thing that you were talking about like what, what was it again tell me a little bit more so it's just that gradual you know introduction into what this work can do because yeah. you can't ram it down someone's throat and go, you're fucked up and you need to do this like, you said long game and and i'm thinking like i need to get my i need to get my guys on this yeah. then well the next re the next retreat's coming up in may. may and i'm like i need them on this they need to come with me but it's it's if it takes a year, if it takes two years, that's totally, fine, isn't it? Totally. We, yeah. we had a conversation on uh, last week, a bunch of guys, and uh, one of the one of the guys is like, "I need to make radical change. I need to make <laughs> radical change, and it needs to, like everything needs to. Ha I need to like burn everything and move forward." And the co like, I, like mm, radical change doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. it ra ra rarely ever happens overnight. Yeah. It takes. We've, we've had this conversation before, haven't we, when people have asked, specifically maybe you, about, oh, yeah, can you give me some tips and stuff? It's like, yeah, but it's like, we're talking, like, it's taken me, how old are you now, 45? 46 this 46. year. It's taken me 46 years to get it. It wasn't just like an overnight thing, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, it's yeah. like, I can give you some tips about how I do it, but you've got to find your own way. So the, the, the I guess the timing's got to be right for, for yeah. these people. I, I, I said to one of my mates, I was to explain about it, and he says, oh, I say, yeah, it sounds interesting. I said, oh, do you fancy going? He said, oh, yeah, I might go um, if I didn't know anybody else there. <laughs> so, so he was like, I was like, oh, really? Like, so he was up for it, but not if I went. <laughs> well, that's, I wonder whether whether I shouldn't be there when other friends go. But then you and I were there and Colin. Yeah, I was okay with that. I, I actually liked it that you were there. It was a bit of a, yeah, bit of a security blanket if I needed it. I didn't need it. And we didn't speak like loads. We were in the same house, obviously, and... Comes different house than we spoke, but we very quickly, mm. you know, spoke to other people. It just comes back to control, the consequence reduction. Yeah, like, oh, I'll, I'll go if. Yeah, I'll only if or but or you know if this these conditions are perfect. Um, it's taken me. It's taken me a long while to be happy with ambiguity, though. You yeah, know, I, I like I, I'm a civil engineer, and and then other stuff now. But like so that always that calculation of certainty was 
it was massive like I know I'll do this if I get this mm-hmm. you know um, and it that helps to drive you as well and and whereas ambiguity is I remember having a discussion about Buddhism and the um, dissolving ego mm-hmm. like, yeah but I need my ego a little bit to keep me going <laughs> we do like we do need it uh, we need all these that we, uh, uh, there's no A and B so the the kind of modalities that we used throughout the weekend were you know breath work sound healing ice men's work you know a lot of the men's work activities that we did were pretty profound so you know going following those loose archetypes of the the magician first then we moved into the warrior and a lot of that was around like primal release and expression and then we moved into the king where we started to move into you know the the kind of fullness of our expression in king energy and then we kind of focused everything through like the lover's lens and the way i spoke about it was you know the lover kind of encapsulates the other three archetypes without that lover kind of guiding our vision uh, and mission as the lover is the connector of essence um so bringing the essence of the magician the king and the warrior together and being able to deliver it to the world in the way that is unique to every person in a compassionate and, and loving way that's like that's the peak for me um so yeah like around all the other activities because the breath work we like was amazing reese did an absolutely brilliant job and it was funny the second day because he kind of yeah, tricked us it was supposed to be like a softer yeah, don't worry boys don't yeah. worry boys it's going to be much gentler this time and he just did just again <laughs> but following on from that you know that that I felt kind of primed us. So putting in us, putting us in that open state where we had had experiences um, in our visions or experience in, in our minds, and you know, brought truths closer to the surface. And then I felt the men's work from where I was standing really kind of facilitated us going a bit deeper into that. So the breath work brings that stuff to the surface so we could see it and the men's work really allowing us to address each each point so when you say men's work mm-hmm. what's what parts of what did we do that was men's work so the discussion groups okay. so the dyads the triads the embodiment practices the eye gazing mm. um, the sharing like all of those things facilitated in in a way to try and get men to really open up and be honest I found the, the I, I, I've thought a lot about the, the eye gazing part because mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen just doesn't happen in everyday life at all um, and also I find it quite difficult to make eye contact with people I have to remember that that's what you're supposed to do in a conversation is make eye contact with people um, uh, but I found it utterly Engrossing, mm-hmm. like once I was once I'd locked it, locked eye contact with someone. I, I don't know because it was because it was explicitly what we were supposed to be doing. I found it really easy then just to be like, okay, so now we're going to look at each other, and the you start to notice all of the micro movements in someone's face and and the way that their eyes dart about and the the, the like the depth of the lines around their eyes or like all of these. You know, it, it it became utterly captivating, like at the other person's face. Um, I, I I loved doing that, and mm. kind of wish there was more of that in my life. 
Were you uncomfortable at the start of doing it though when we first did it? No, because I was yeah. told it was. Oh, you were told this is this is the exercise. Yeah, before you complied. So I'm like, all right, yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, well, no, because I'd gone into the weekend very much with the mentality that I am going to be completely accepting of everything that we do this weekend, and I'm going to. Mm. And once I've set a rule for myself, I tend to, I, I tend to adhere to it. Yeah, my my first was Darren Darren from Canada. Oh, what a lovely start. Um, and and so from then I I felt like a different connection with him because mm. he was my, he was my first. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's quite and he's quite he's uh, he's, he's quite like an ominous presence as well. Yeah. And so and not knowing anything about him because it was early on. Um, if I can't even was that even the Friday? Did we do that on Friday? I yeah. No, so it would have been the Friday night then. Um, before any of the of any of the other stuff, and so that was yeah quite. I I did find it a little bit. Awkward. I was I was fine because I'd done some similar stuff, you know, like in the, in the nets and classic you mentioned before and things like that. But it was still a little bit like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm I'm okay with this little bit of uncomfortableness um, around here, and then just going to yeah, just just look and examine and have a and be curious around the eyes and stuff, and and then that thing about well, which eye are you looking at, and then you keep changing. Like, there's an exercise within that as well where you project. Is that right? You're you're trying to project an emotion or a feeling or something yeah so you, you're invited to try and read the story behind somebody's eyes and then eventually simultaneously try and tell your own story through your eyes I was trying so hard with that I was like really, really trying to beam out my stuff like, like this is how I'm fi-. and then to hear and like, you know bo- on both sides of that be like fuck I was getting something from that and, yeah and Again, my the, the the sort of rational scientific part of me is like, yeah, well, yeah, you were watching their pupils dilate, and you were like, and we know that that's a cue of acceptance or love or mm-hmm. or attraction. So, like, but in the moment, it's just like, oh wow, yeah, I was getting something from that. Something like ethereal that happens. Yeah. You're like, oh wow, that I can feel the energy, and that you, I suppose, we can, and that's yeah. you know, I I say in the retreat, like, historically or in 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 ancient mythology, in in history. The eyes have been the window to the soul and we know so much about the people we spend time in their eyes like with if you spend a lot of time looking into the eyes of a lover and you know them very well if that's something that you do but with other men we don't do it because we've seen it uh, we see it as a sign of conflict and aggression yeah yeah my, my um my my other brother holds holds the gaze a little too long um which is not anything, of course. It's just he holds a gaze for a certain time, mm-hmm. and then. But the, the construct, you know, the other, 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 the kind of association I give it, and it's like, oh, it's a bit long. <laughs> and that's weird then, because it's just obviously normalised against some stuff that is too short. Actually, if you were going to go the other way, because yeah. it should be longer. And then you do start to see, um, and it's something that we bring in with with the dyad sharing and the the circling practice. We use a circling practice in in this where you can start to identify somebody's you know movements and ticks or patterns and postures and you know how they're behaving through micro movements in their face their eyes how they swallow when there's saliva in their mouth do they look down do they look up do they bring a hand to their face so once you like fully connect with somebody through the eyes you know really taking in their whole face when you then go to speak to them later on and we invite people to kind of like reflect so with the triads particularly like you reflect on what you saw and heard when somebody answered a question and you know we invite them to really observe 
really observe with a keen eye what is someone doing when they are asked the question do they touch their face do they start to does their voice change or are they completely calm and, and answering from a position of truth and when you start to do that we can start to break down and that that for me is the secret sauce like that's the magic of this whole experience is that we're not most people are not professional actors we're not trained actors that can perform so when you're asked a question and the invitation is to be completely honest particularly in the triads where you've got somebody watching you you're going to be honest because it's it's too obvious then if you're not so that that is another invitation for us to really witness each other as men and see who we really are i i, I think though i think most uh, well for me i speak for me um i think i felt that easier when we're in the trials to be honest because i'd already done a lot of the connection stuff so we'd already done certain elements whether it's the ice bath breath work or just the looking in the eyes therefore you you already had the sense of trust mm -hmm. with, the, with the person so you so you could be honest but so imagine then though if you hadn't done that you know, there's a likelihood of not being as honest so so quickly so so again these i know that obviously everything was purposeful that you did but these things then allowed us to get into that space quicker you know so the connection being made between two people are looking in their eyes longer than they normally would hastens that um, connection between them mm -hmm. which then allowed you to then have a better dialogue mm -hmm. and then that leading us into more forms of authentic expression so once we start to share more openly with each other when you're then invited to share like for in, instance in the primal release and you, you and I Paul have had loads of discussions around that exercise in isolation like what is a primal release because we it's done during the warrior section of the weekend where you know people are invited to really scream and get almost like primal rage but you know after addressing that you know a lot of warriors don't necessarily have a lot of anger not a lot of men have anger that's, that's present and you know, for a lot of us it is and it's it's a form it's an emotion that is not welcome in society from men in its rawest sense but if anger is expressed it can be really cathartic and healthy and like i said earlier allow other emotions or truths to come out with it, it kind of like pulls them out because it's often stacked on top but when it bleeds into aggression so when anger becomes aggression that's not welcome in society but anger should be anger should be something that you can express openly and fully it just has to be done in the right space with the right people but as we spoke about since then not everybody really not everybody feels anger so what is a primal release for somebody who doesn't feel anger i certainly felt and i think this was actually on the first retreat um i think on the second retreat it went round the room and then it didn't get to me <laughs> I, oh, I would um the, yeah. the but on the first the first retreat that we were on um it was my turn to step into the circle and I, and and ahead of me everyone had been stepping into the circle and really letting rip with you know a, a, a proper roar um mm -hmm. uh, and i didn't feel that i didn't have i didn't feel that that was in me anywhere but i felt comfortable so as it as it started and it's going around the circle and I'm like shit I'm gonna have to do this and I don't want I don't feel the thing that those guys are displaying 
but I, f I, I didn't feel at all, I felt a bit nervous, but I didn't feel like I couldn't or felt feel uncomfortable stepping into the circle on that occasion and, and I hummed quietly and I was like, mm, and it felt okay mm -hmm. and it felt like, I think because I'd made a commitment to myself on both occasions to, to be authentic, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't prepared to stand in the circle and roar and pretend and, and bring something that wasn't really me. Um, but I felt absolutely accepted on that retreat and, and completely safe, not just following it, following along. Mm -hmm. So my primal roar, my primal expression was a, was a gentle hum. But that, that to me is really, that is the form of authenticity that we need to try and obtain because not all warriors are angry. And if that's the expression that you needed to do, and like we, we say that all of you is welcome at these retreats when men come along, all of you is welcome. And if you don't feel anger, then express what you what you do feel in a primal way. So like in the fullness of its of its and the depth of its expression. If you feel sadness, like you're allowed to cry. If you feel joy, you can laugh. If you feel peace, you can hum. If you feel really angry at things, you can let rip. And in, in one of the most recent retreats that we did, I really saw that this this had landed with the group in a really way, and perhaps I delivered it slightly differently with the reflections and the discussions you and I had had around this, where there wasn't the performance I've seen before at you know different events that I've been to as a participant or led. There wasn't the performance of like, oh God, it's going to get around to me and I've just got to do the same thing as the next person. Mm -hmm. Like you were thinking, like I don't want to do that. But some people wouldn't have the agency to then be authentic. They would just conform. But what I saw the most recent one, there was like, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Like one person would go out and go absolutely nuts, roar his head off. And then the next person would like cry. Then the next person would roar again. And the next person would laugh. And it was so beautiful to see because I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like people are being real this is realness I can see it and I can feel it because there's there's no way anyone's performing here that was powerful and there's also an exploration about about whether you're angry or not you know so so for me uh, I think I, I did feel the pressure of doing it and then I was like curious and yeah. that's what then then took me took me into the middle and I picked um, someone that I'd shared something with already and then that was the I was just hoping that he remembered that that's why I'd be screaming at him. <laughs> like, um, and 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 so I was curious about well, what was it? What does it feel like? And and it was it it, it was all right, but yeah, it wasn't. A, I need to do this because I need to vent some anger. I was more doing it off like a, I wonder if I do have some anger that I need to, to vent, sort of thing. And yeah, maybe some of us don't even know if we've got anger or not. As well as knowing mm, yeah, if we've got yeah. anger, yeah. So even yeah, then it's the invitation to like if you're not sure, if you're not sure what emotion it is that you need to express. Like I was, I would say anger is like the carbohydrate of emotions. Like it's very quickly accessible and it's normally very quick to dissipate. So if you don't know what you need to bring out in that container, like anger is your easy option not aggression but anger if you express anger fully quite likely there's going to be something underneath and then you might you might that might bring you a bit deeper you might find something else out and then you go into that emotion 
So yeah, that's that's a good way to explore. I think in in those in that practice specifically. Yeah, I remember like one of one of the therapists I saw. Um, one of the one of the ones that stuck with me, Akila, remember Akila? That yeah. was her, that was her name, obviously a real name. Um, but she 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 was like she was so good. She was like not not psychotherapist. She was more holistic. And she would just I was explaining something to her. She said, "Where where do you feel it?" And I'd be like, "What? You mean do you mean what do I feel?" She said, "No, where where do you feel?" And this was a completely new concept to me. Like somebody asking me where I felt something in my mm-hmm. body, and I'm like, "Oh." I don't know. I mean, here, like in the head, or or something's here in the chest, and and she, it like completely revolutionised my definition of the word feeling. Mm-hmm. Like because I thought feeling was because we always most of the time talk about feeling in a cerebral context rather than a felt context, mm-hmm. and then it was all of a sudden this switch of oh, oh feel is literally feeling. <laughs> This is like yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Why didn't really tell me this before? <laughs> my chest is tight, my fists are bald, my yeah. my mm-hmm. back is tensed. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be a number of things. And those things generally stack up to mean angry, so yeah. I feel or could be angry. Excited. Yeah, yeah. But we yeah. put the label on it and then it's assume that that's the correct yeah. interpretation in the moment. And I think the main thing then that, that that we would then go through is like, well just feel the feeling and then just move through it. And then that was the, that was the, my introduction to being able to kind of let go from, of 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 things like that, but to recognise mm. them first. So I had to start with that recognition of, of that felt, um, presence of something in your body to then recognise it and to, to then let go. So. I've I've also, done that work, and I find it astonishing how, knowing that, and having done that work, I'm still. I can still completely lose my temper with Gus. Like he can be asking for Lego the, in the Lego store, and I'm like, "Whoa, no, hang on, no, hang on, Wait a hang on, hang on." <laughs> but it, like, it, it's so interesting how, and this is another reason. This or another reason. This is one of the reasons that I'm keen to go on another retreat is because I think these things are not something you do once, mm-hmm. and these revelations and these things that you discover about yourself are not something that you just. Yeah. Find and then that's it assimilated yeah. now. Yeah, well, why, why, why would it be? be um, yeah, so imagine, well, imagine building on the thing that's already just been given to you, like because that's what will happen, obviously. <laughs> like the idea that you'd go to the gym when, <laughs> when, once, and, or, or you'd do, you'd, you'd go, you'd go to the gym and get fit, and now you're fit, and that's that. <laughs> it's like yeah. the maintenance of it, yeah, constant because essentially, you, through events and experiences like this, you will evolve one way or another like something will change it could be little it could be large um but you're a new version of yourself after something like this like other things but if you were to expect that you know with this new level there won't be new devils and you just carry on like that's ludicrous so yeah these things are really important to keep revisiting because there might be another and inevitably there's so much stuff that we're dealing with as humans not just men but as humans so many things that we're dealing with that you can't get through them all in one weekend so you might just get through like a couple of things through the you know these archetypal explorations but then you know that might just open the door for you to then start looking oh what else is in here Mm -hmm. like what else can i address now that i've kind of um, started interpreting you said the word interpreting started interpreting what the signals of my body are are sending me like wh- oh, where does that come from and why is that part of my behaviour we can't get through it all in one weekend mm. no. 
and and in between sessions as well though in between things you you, you we've experienced different stuff again mm-hmm. you know so it's never like you're never a static self that is just turning up to these things you're always either being built on or experiencing mm-hmm. new things that then become part of part of who you are and then therefore what you have to deal with you can't <laughs> step into the same retreat twice yeah we <laughs> <laughs> don't seem yeah because right. you are not the same and the retreat is not the same <laughs> I think you just kind of that somewhere yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, you, you're bringing it to fatherhood there, and obviously, you know, this podcast is a, called Forging Fathers because we want to start to support men to pave the way for themselves and future generations to start looking at themselves more deeply. And you know, whether that's them, they're going to be a father, they want to be a father, they are becoming a father, or they are a father. However, wherever you are in that journey, there are lessons to be learned around fatherhood and how we are as men and how that influences how we are as a father and anger is like so prevalent like we see it all the time like I still sometimes have like outbursts and I'm really careful with them now and I tr- I actually track them so every time I have an outburst like I try as a trigger track so if I'm triggered by something I will write it down write down what happened before during and after that moment so that I can start to identify what took place like I see that I see the fullness because in that moment it's like when you're driving down a road if you are driving at 10 miles an hour if anything jumps out you're going to be able to see it in plenty of time and stop 30 miles an hour you're all right 50 you're in danger now 100 miles an hour you don't even know you've hit something until you've hit it until after you've hit it you've hit it and you then start to respond so by doing a trigger track I can see more clearly I've identified the things that are starting to trigger me and they change and grow all the time as I change and grow but if I've got that picture I can start to slow things down yeah, so when nice. they I can yeah. slow it down so that I can respond rather than react I yeah, kinda, that's really good I do that le- in a less purposeful way but I, the, so Lego is a good example mm-hmm. um, I don't know the run up to Christmas we were in a shopping mall in Edinburgh there's a Lego store. Gus wants to go to the Lego store, and he wants everything that's in there. And like, can I have that? Can I have that? And I'm like, well, no. Christmas is coming up. Your birthday's coming up. No, you can't. Big tantrum, big falling out. We went up to the same shopping mall yesterday, and uh, in the afternoon at breakfast, we're like, we are going to go through that shopping mall today. Let's both be mindful that it's just been Christmas. It's just been your birthday. You don't need any more Lego. Mm-hmm. I don't. I really don't want to be upset. I don't like it when we fight. So I'm putting that work in and slowing things yes. down, and being mindful that th- those are the kind of places where I do get triggered. I don't like greed and consumerism. I find them abhorrent, and it, it gets me angry. So I know that that's going to happen. So well, we have to walk past it, mm-hmm. sort of, and um, and putting those pl- things in place all the way up to the point where we go and we have an all right time. I'm, still not particularly happy with it but yeah we go and we and but that's because I've spent some time and I know that I need to notice when these things happen and mm. reflect on them afterwards in a journal so I suppose I do make a note of it what that reminds me of is our work and the retreat on, on boundaries so that's a boundary that you put in place and that's yeah you know, I identify it as like the bullseye of a, a dartboard so the green zone and the red zone that's it yeah. if you've not identified something so if you haven't done the work to identify something using something like the trigger track or um, what you did it'll 
maybe filter through the green zone undetected and get to the red zone and then you react mm. whereas if you've done this work to identify them and talk about them yeah. most importantly then when you get into the mall the boundary's set so you won't get to the when you pass the lego store there's no red zone yeah you're, you're both mm. in the green zone you just go floating by and it, uh, yeah yeah mm. that's that it identifying the problems identifying the places where you feel those emotions where you feel those physically mm. where you tense up being aware of them yeah. and then putting the work in and, and knowing that your reaction to it is some, is is your responsibility yeah, yeah. to do something yeah, about it as well yeah. It's my it's it's my reaction to the environment as much like it's not him being a greedy consumerist. It's my opinion, yeah. my feelings about. He's ten. Yeah, he's <laughs> he, the things yeah. that I, ex I, 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 I expect far too much of him. Yeah, and he's ten. You know, that's so. I think we common. do that though, don't we? We yeah. expect so much of them, and they're just exploring the world. And and what what I've realised, especially with with Max, is that. Um, his opinions change so fast, so therefore, I should not get hooked on them. You know, it's like, mm. I, you know, I, I'd be disappointed with stuff he would say, or, um, or it would really trigger me. Then I end up into a debate, like with him, and 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 like he's really good at keeping his cool, man. And like I even got a, a notification on my watch to say my heart rate was too high. I was doing, I was doing, you know, I was, I was sitting, so it wasn't exercising. It went up to one hundred and twenty. Wow! <laughs> and it was like, okay, there's there's the warning. Um, and so now I've I've really really practiced in in trying to remember to ask, oh why why just why would you think that so so show interest or or yeah just interest in his opinion rather than force my opinion on him. Mm. Fuck me, that was so, that's so hard. N you know, as the parent to go from bringing your child up to a certain extent having to have your opinions to keep them safe in a lot of cases because you you know stuff and you know a bit more about them but then to realize that actually having a kid is to continually let go of them mm -hmm. and and that um then the, you know the, the goal actually is to make them smarter than you you know that's the whole goal of the human race is that they need to outshine you at some point and that is a massive dent in your ego you mm -hmm. know just you know where either when it's even if, if it's on a physical level fitness level a cognitive level you know, so like when they outdo you on the fitness level, you think, oh, I've still got my cognition. Then they outdo you on that, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> like, Where am I? And then, yeah. then, but then the right way is to be proud. Yes. You know, not, not, to, not to be disappointed, of course, but that's definitely for me wasn't the initial kind of reaction. The initial and reaction. what's interesting is, you know, where do they get this information? So how do they learn to outshine you? From you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. If, if we don't <laughs> allow that to happen in us, then it's never going to happen in them. And I, I came up, uh, I had this thought recently where, you know, when we are growing up, so the, the infant human is probably one of the most vulnerable creatures mm -hmm. in existence, but it grows and learns at an exponential rate. Like it grows and learns faster than almost anything else to the, to the level that we need to get to. Um, so on the spectrum of human intelligence and ability, an infant to an adult, like we grow rapidly in the first portion of our life. And then somewhere along the line, we think, yeah, I'm not gonna be vulnerable anymore. I'm actually gonna stop being vulnerable and still expect to learn and grow at a rate or help somebody else grow and learn at a rate because they learn from you mm. being you. So if you stop at one point, 
you're not only doing yourself out of that growth and evolution you're also doing your sons and daughters and the next generation I think society pushes that on us quite a lot with the with the school system with the idea mm. that you graduate from learning that you that's yeah. that's you done now you've graduated from learning it's such a yeah. it's or, or, interesting or for concept, boys like no I'm a man I'm, I, I know I'm the I'm the going to yeah you know then the, this disdain for learning that a lot of boys have oh I'm terrified of that that's yeah yeah I mean definitely you know even even though so Max is seven, Max is seventeen, and he's he's found a new lease of life for learning through college. So school didn't like school, didn't get on school. Very he's a very clever boy, and um, but but also very um, opinionated. And so if he didn't match, what, you know, if he didn't like what he was learning, he just didn't didn't do it. But he's he still like um, has this hang up around books and things and reading and, and getting better academically, if you like thinking it, it's associated with soft or those kind of um, things that you think should have been left in the, the 1960s, you know, that kind mm. of stuff is seems to be resurfacing in some boys. Um, so I, I often use that as a kind of, um, all right, I'll go and do the opposite behavior to show them it's still okay mm. to do that kind of behavior. Yeah. And then, so, hey, Max, I've just, just enrolled in a uni course. What? Oh yeah, I'm just reading this book on this, and, and yeah, and yesterday actually he came to me. He said, "Oh, what, what have you been doing today?" Which he never used to ask. Like, but now, what have you been doing? Oh, I said, I went to, went, went, to, went to the do some do some weights in the, in the garage. Oh, fair play, fair play, well done. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and I said, I redesigned some products for the for the company. It's just so a bit of time spent on the computer, unfortunately. But oh yeah, and he said, how did how did you get so savvy on that stuff? Like that, he would never, you know, that kind of thing. Comment from him though, That's asking for for acknowledgement one yeah. that I've accomplished something about, and then asking as well. Like is is like he's he's definitely maturing um, in, into somebody that's more inquisitive than he was, and a lot of that's got to do with yeah the different kind of environment he's in and moving into and away from that kind of school. That is brilliant. Yeah, but that, that, how to how question how did you like teach me how? Yeah, it's such a, a change because so much of society for men I've seen, in all the men I've worked with is you know we idolize other men, in in higher you know status than us. So like actors, models, um, businessmen. Yeah, you know we look at them and go oh look at them they're amazing they're amazing and you know within that statement we're also saying we're not. So when we idolize, so if he looked at you and go. Oh, you're so good at that. That's a totally different statement. Like, how are you so good at that? Yeah. Tell me how, rather than you are so good. He was acknowledging you, but he was also not scared of himself. So he's yeah. recognizing, oh, I, I don't know that, but I want to. That's that's a change that I'm seeing happening more. Yeah, but, yeah. No, he's, he's maturing quite well in, in in that ways. But it's been hard. One of the, one of the hardest things is, I think, to see as a parent is when they self limit and start mm -hmm. self limiting, mm -hmm. and especially as. as because I've got into the place where I've realised how much I've done that to myself and and, and and have stopped doing a lot of that there's still obviously self-limiting stuff in there that I still do but definitely less so mm -hmm. then to see it in someone that's young that has this full potential and they're, they're self-limiting themselves at the age of 17 and you're like man come on come on you, you. And, but the, the way to deal with it that I found best is just to just love and and and, and talk um, and and demonstration and um, creating a safe place with them, you know, you can't, you definitely can't force it, and 
and, and say you should be because that obviously just switches people off mm. so and because yeah, yeah obviously because we were you'll bring this back to the retreat like we were talking earlier about how so many men limit themselves in experiences like we had but it's the same thing like if I limit myself by boundaries on my own experience or you know feel try and control the consequence or the outcome of coming to a retreat like this I'm limiting my own growth and I'm, I'm you know embodying or embedding a limiting behavior in myself which then again my son's going to pick up on because they learn from us mm-hmm. and then they're just going to mimic yeah so the invitation is to always be open-minded always be vulnerable to an extent to explore more so that those around you can do the same you can only make yourself vulnerable if you're in a safe place mm-hmm. and i think when we're not in a safe place we raise people up and we put people on pedestals yeah. because when there's threat it's in times of threat that we need leadership and we need hierarchies we need a rigid hierarchy in a time of war in a time of threat then mm-hmm. we need a rigid hierarchy but so perhaps we are putting people on pedestals because we're all because that we we have a culture of fragility or or an insecurity or um fear and we do have it we do like mm-hmm. that like marketing and advertising and capital consumer capitalism is about building fear in people so that we need to be more and we need to be better and we need to buy a new car and we need to have more stuff so yeah i think it's not an not uncommon that we do that that we put people on pedestals but i think there's something natural about it as well because we don't know like when we see somebody successful we don't know the pain they're 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 suffering you know and they will be at some point oh yeah and and so we just see that superficial successful thing Mm -hmm. whether it's um a sportsman whether it's a, a a business um successful business person or whatever it's it's it even if it's even if it's just you like I don't I don't feel you but I feel me I see you but I don't feel you mm-hmm. and 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 then we can forget so that that's where the, a lot of then this I think the sharing helps to balance that out because if, if we if we didn't share if we didn't like the only way I can get to know what you guys feel is to is for you to share with me your vulnerability and if that didn't happen I would just I would think I was the only one that felt like yeah that. yeah and the, but I definitely see you and you look fine most of the time you look fine um, but you're probably not and you've got stuff going on um, do, you, do you know what I mean it's like that, that yeah, we only get one side of the story unless we do share and then we get both mm-hmm. sides of the story and that then can bring us closer but you have to be safe to but be able to, to share be, yeah you have to be safe so yeah and that is where comparison can be the thief of purpose yeah when I compare myself against somebody and raise them above me I'm lowering myself because I'm only comparing half the story yeah. usually as well yeah one thing, one thing. I mean, you must have seen this yeah. in, like, in your work when you're working in TV and film and stuff, and and certainly me meeting, you know, Shauna and Cal even and stuff, and 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 you and and hearing you talk about, you soon realise these people are just freaking human. Has got as mm. many insecurities as, as as us norms do, <laughs> like, um, and then you start, oh, they're just they're just normal, 
Like, but it takes a while. You don't, you know, that's not your initial impression when you see other people until you get close to them. Yeah, the, I, I listened to Dave, David Sedaris recently. I can't think whose podcast he was on, but he was talking about, like, I'm sure it was him, the one universal constant for all humans is, an, is a poisonous inner critic. And we all have that, and everyone's completely at the mercy of this inner critic, ir irrespective of how well they, they appear to be doing on the outside, it's there. And some people might have it in more control than others, or, or might might be able to switch it, up, turn it down, but it's there. I would imagine it fulfills a, an evolutionary purpose, like to stop us jumping off things that are too high to jump off, or mm -hmm. you know. But but yeah, everyone has those insecurities and those fragilities. But I think we are in a society that the the bellows of consumerism kind of. Puff air yeah. onto the onto yeah. I reckon they, they must be. I mean, this because they're so prevalent. There must be then. Yeah, they must be there for. Well, there's a reason why they're there, not there for a reason. There's a reason why they are. But mm. they must be learned. When you look at kids, young kids that are free from that, you know, that mm -hmm. self critic. The, the, so we definitely have the ability to. It's <clears throat> so oh, it comes. Yeah. No, and 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 where does it come from? It might be just for a natural interaction with other people or or, or the world. But it can definitely be lessened. So that's what we mm, work yeah, from the yeah. retreat, isn't it? It can definitely be. We can we can we can do stuff to make it less prevalent in us. Where, whether that I mean, and for that person that was what was it you were saying? But the twelve days that he'd. Oh yeah, chance. I was listening to somebody recently who was talking about. Um, there was a, an ancient, you know, wisdom teacher from the east who, you know, had an apprentice, and he was telling his apprentice that you know, in my whole however many years of existence he was on his deathbed and he was like I'm about to die but you know I'm really proud of myself throughout my whole life I've probably been in my my fullness of expression like my king energy the, the highest version of myself for, for 12 days and the apprentice was like oh my god 12 days is that it you're like a hundred and something like that's that's not very good but then when it came time for the apprentice to, to pass on he was lying on his deathbed and he goes I don't know how he made it to 12 <laughs> So like, yeah, how, how often do we find ourselves in the fullness of our being and how can we distill that, you know, on, yeah. the, on the theme of Father, like how do we... But by fact we can do it. Yeah, you know, it's osmosis, like they will, they'll pick up on it and, you know, if we're not doing it, you know, ask the question, why? Like what, is, what are you, or what are you doing? Maybe, maybe it's not do the work, maybe it's undo the work. Yeah. Undo yeah. the work that's been done to us over the years of, of For sure. interacting with society and then... Yeah, then we get closer to our natural selves. Mm -hmm. I like the phrase fullness of our being, and that is where I felt I was after, like at the peak point on that retreat, that's where I felt I was. And I took that, um, I I did count this because it was, it was in my journal. Um, I had, uh, four, uh, what's two and a half weeks? For <laughs> however many days two and a half weeks is. Um, two and a half weeks of... Uh, no arguments whatsoever in my family not with like not with my wife not with my son and I I I was completely connected to the fullness of my being and and so that's one of my one that's one of my 12 nice. achieved achieved as a result of being on that retreat and taking that calmness mm. in into into my life outside of the outside of the yurt Amazing. I think like that's that's a good place to 
to stop this yeah beautiful conversation we could probably talk for hours because and i imagine there will be another episode at some point where we get back together um but yeah thank you guys for sharing your experience of the mantra men's retreat and yeah looking forward to having you guys back at the next one and anybody else who's listening who wants to come along then go to mantraholisticsupport.com and you know sign up if, if this conversation has inspired you to to step forward into this work then all of you is welcome thank you yeah thanks for creating the experience thank you so much for tuning in today i hope you enjoyed that conversation with bob and paul and if that has left you feeling inspired to attend one of our events then we have several opportunities coming up over the next few months first up we have our introductory experiences our one day men's council retreats happening in february march and april in glasgow edinburgh and dundee respectively and then we've got our next mantra men's retreat in may this year so if you're feeling inspired to book on then go to www.mantraholisticsupport.com to the events page and book on to the one that feels right for you i hope to see you there